Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is August 7th, 2019. Wow. Hasn't the summer just gone by really, really quickly, insanely quickly, actually? So today we're going to have an exclusive talk about what is going on with Strzok. And, you know, you all know that last year I exposed Peter Strzok and his family. (laughs) Peter Strzok just gave us the opportunity to talk about things we can't talk about because they're not public record. So, you know, that's the way it usually goes. If something's classified, secret, or under seal, you can't talk about it unless it's publicized by someone or unclassified or, uh, you know, unredacted something, right? It has to, at some point, um, Uh, you know, be exposed by another way or else you're in trouble for talking about it. So thank you, Strzok. But I want everyone to understand that his uh, filing of this complaint alleging his First Amendment rights and due process, etc., is bifurcated. There are two purposes to this. Um, Well, there's two face value purposes, but they only serve one. And we're going to break that down today. It is going to be something you're not going to hear anywhere else. Uh, Currently, I'm uh, having the article reviewing a portion of what I'm going to be talking about uh, to be edited. So it will be published um, uh, after the show in about 30 minutes after the show. It's going to be really, really exciting uh, because you will not get this anywhere else. Uh, His complaint uh, showed us just how involved and how, um, how shall I say, how the most covert intelligence community units were mobilized to stymie President Trump's election. And these units don't operate like the usual ones. Okay, they don't operate as if here's your mission, go do it. They operate based on the individual. So it's a very specific one. It's kind of like, what's your passion? Say, for example, uh, you're a super feminist, okay? (laughs) You're super feminist. And you decide, you get assigned to go to Malaysia where women are being suppressed because of XYZ. And your mission is to go there and overthrow the government uh, because they have done X, Y, Z to a woman. This is what they tell you. So what they do is they get very highly skilled and very highly trained individuals with little to know sometimes, but it's usually they're, they're in the government first because this is how they test them under SEAL. Uh, 
individuals that have very special skills and can be trained to activate those skills to the, um, I would say to the greatest extent that one would see so that they would do anything to accomplish the mission, anything. So they have to be passionate. So we're going to talk about that. It's, it's pretty incredible. I was so excited when I saw it, even though yesterday, guys, uh, like I told you guys on air yesterday, I have actually completely ruptured my tympanic membrane. So, um, yeah. And the doctor was like, well, how did you not come earlier? Uh, it's like, um, you know, um, I can't hear from that ear anyway, so I wouldn't know. It's just because it hurts. So I spent the whole day, uh, whole evening in the hospital. So I had a lot of time to read his complaint. And boy, I can tell you, even though it hurt, I was smiling from ear to ear uh, because he gave us the ammunition to really break this down. And it, it's just it's just incredible. So before we start on that, I wanted to kind of visit what our president has been tweeting this morning so we can kind of walk through those things Uh which are very important because I like the way he's now talking about South Korea. I've told you about South Korea, how they are very quiet. So it's really important. Uh, we focus on what he's saying before he left uh, to visit uh, both the uh, shooting uh, El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. So his first tweet of the day was South Korea has agreed to pay substantially more money to the United States in order to defend itself from North Korea. Over the past many decades, the U.S. has been paid very little by South Korea. But last year, at the request of President Trump, South Korea paid $990 million. Talks have begun to further increase payments to the United States. South Korea is a very wealthy nation that now feels an obligation to contribute to the military defense provided by the United States of America. The relationship between the two countries is a very good one. So here is our president collecting debt. Excellent. Filling our coffers. That's basically $1 trillion, guys. $1 trillion knocked off our $21 trillion debt, right? This is important. We should be asking these um, countries where we have bases, where we offer them protection, where we contribute to their economy, where we contribute to their military training, we should be forcing them to pay us because it's, it's imperative. I mean, I'm offering you services. If someone comes to South Korea and decides to attack you, I'm going to be there by your side because I'm housed in your country. It's kind of like, all the bases we have in Germany, like, where's that money? So that was important, okay? They are very wealthy. And the fact that the statement said that they feel an obligation to contribute means they didn't feel the obligation to contribute before. That is key. Mm, China, right? We all know it's very important that the relations that we have with the Oriental Bloc right, which is Japan, uh, China, Taiwan, South Korea, North Korea, uh, these, these areas, okay, it's really, really important that we have strong connections with all the nations 
other than, you know, well, obviously we want strong connections with China, but China, as you know, and like I've said, and I said at the beginning of the year, China is going to be the biggest problem here. I said that on my January 1st and December 31st episodes that China is going to be the problem. Uh, so, and, and hence we have Andrew Yang too, Chinese. Wow. Um, so we need to create and, and, and strong bonds with these nations to understand that they don't have to be under the governance of China. We need to embed that into them. We need to uh, provide them the um, gusto uh, to provide them the, I would say, moral, um, moral support. No, we should be their cheerleader claiming that they can be independent because that's something that they don't feel they can. So... Let's go to the next one. So that's that on South Korea. This is why it was quiet, because we have to discuss these relations. But South Korea is going to be playing a very important role in October. I'm telling you this now. Now, further on, now we're going to talk about gun control. We're going to talk about these shootings. We're going to talk about what President Trump, he's an amazing troll. People just need to have faith. He is doing great. So, his next tweet was Trump urges unity versus racism was the correct description in the first headline by the failing New York times, but it was quickly changed to assailing hate, but not guns after the radical left Democrats went absolutely crazy fake news. That's what we're up against. So that happened yesterday. Remember it was trending, you know, about the New York times and their headline for the first time, they put a headline that was factual, that was truthful. And I thought, whoa, what happened? Someone's getting fired <laughs> when I saw it. Um, because indeed, the president urged unity versus racism. Instead, though, the left wants to perpetuate racism, wants to perpetuate division, because this is how they win, by dividing us. Um, so... The New York Times it came to all the attacks from the left, from Google, from everyone, and decided to change the title. Tucker Carlson said, this is an astounding development in journalism. I've never seen it happy before. I've just never seen anything like this. Is that journalism today? I don't think so. Wait, Mark Penn said that, former Clinton advisor, about the title. Tucker Carlson said after three years, they almost got a good headline from the Times. Now imagine this. You've published your newspaper, you've published your article, and you put um, um, a title that actually reflects the factual content of it and then you're forced to change it to make it look more unfavorable toward the president I mean that is really sad really sad now he also tweeted the fact that in Dayton Ohio the shooter that everyone tweeted about and said he was a white supremacist he was a Trump supporter he hated uh you know black people he hated Hispanics remember they all had like these little pictures that they were tweeting about it um you know, no one reported the facts that we've known, which is he was politically supporting Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Antifa. And OAN uh, went mainstream with it, and we finally saw CNN, oh my gosh, is the ceiling going to come down on us saying this, um, reporting it too, which was uh, very important uh, to see. Now, this this whole gun discussion, right, 
the fact that he's like, yeah, we need to do stronger background checks. We don't want crazy people with guns alarms us. The people that are concerned about our right uh, to bear arms. It concerns us that we will forfeit powers and we are forfeiting our rights into appointed or elected persons to decide who can own a gun and who cannot. And a lot of people are saying he's bringing up the conversations of red flag law. I mean, I saw it in my state, which is a gun tooting state, saying that, oh, the discussion of red flags law is, is you know, starting again. Mm. The thing is, this is just statements that he's making. None of that will ever pass because one thing people need to understand is that guns, okay, you can make as many laws as you want. You can put as many regulations you want. You can have a completely disarmed community. Yet the crazy person that wants to commit a mass shooting will find the gun. Mass shootings will continue to happen. I mean, look at Chicago, right? Look at Illinois that has banned guns completely. And in one day, 55 deaths due to gun violence when they're supposed to have zero guns. This is how... It shows that making laws doesn't mean you fix the problem. Disarming people doesn't fix the problem. The whole point of the Second Amendment is to arm ourselves against the government. So statements like what, you know, Cory Booker or no, or was it, um, well, both of them actually said it, Cory Booker and um, Beto saying that they're just going to send people to your house and Warren said that too, to collect your guns. It's like, no, you're not, because that is a violation of our Second Amendment. The only way they can achieve anything like that is to repeal the Second Amendment, and we've already seen that being proposed from House members, or was it Senate, in Hawaii, where they actually put that proposal forward to repeal the Second Amendment, like to get rid of it completely. And that's a problem, because if the police now came to my house at this moment, right now, and said, give me your guns, Tori, I can say no, and if they try to barge into my house, I can shoot them and won't get in trouble for it because I am defending myself against the government who is coming armed to rip me of, you know, strip me of my rights to be able to defend myself against them. I mean, that is the way it is. That is the law. So whatever President Trump is saying is to kind of diffuse the situation and allow for conversations to happen because the more instigated, uh, you know, we are as conservatives, as gun owners, and as people that believe in our right to bear arms, uh, and the more angry we get, the more substantial our research and responses are. So that is the good thing. Again, th it'll never happen unless the Second Amendment is repealed, period. So, you know, he's traveling there to see the communities. Again, I mentioned to you that there was another one stymied in Michigan. No one is talking about that. And it's important that they're not talking about that because it indicates that Joe Biden had inside information when he made that statement. And that is something we need to keep in the back of our minds when we hear him speak how he knew about Michigan. Okay, because he mentioned Michigan. So, moving along with our president's tweets. The next one he tweeted out was three more central banks cut rate. Our problem is not China. We are stronger than ever. 
money is pouring into the U.S. while China is losing companies by the thousands to other countries. And their currency is under siege. Our problem is the Federal Reserve that is too proud to admit their mistake of acting too fast and tightening too much. And I was right. They must cut rates bigger and faster to stop their ridiculous quantitative tightening now. Yield curve is too wide a margin and no inflation. Incompetence is a terrible thing to watch, especially when things could be taken care of so easily. We will win anyway, but it would be much easier if the Fed understood, which they don't, that we are competing against other countries, all of whom want to do well at our expense. So keep in mind, the Federal Reserve has not answered to the currency manipulation that other nations have executed in the past couple of days. This has caused our market to drop because, mm, let, let me make it simple, okay? China, so before they, they, they manipulated their currency a couple of days ago, let's say Friday, uh, no, let's say Thursday, I wanted to buy um, stock in Chinese telecom, I'm just saying. And to buy that stock with U.S. dollars, I would have to pay $100 for one share. Now they devalue their currency. So now I can purchase that share at $50 per share. So in essence, I'm buying two shares for the price of one last week. That means that if that goes higher, I make a lot of money. So this is what happens. People are not investing in the dollar, which is strong, because they can make more money investing in companies somewhere else. Make sense? I'm, I'm just trying to dumb it down. It's not like specific, specific, but that's where I'm getting with it. So we have people manipulating countries, manipulating their currencies in order to knock us down financially. Because if you hurt us in the pocket, then you hurt the nation. And if people start getting antsy because they don't have money in their pocket or they're losing money in the stock market, then they're upset with President Trump. And ergo, maybe Kamala Harris with her nabbing of your health, private health insurance, or Cory Booker who wants to make everyone vegan, or Beto who finds it funny when people get shot might have a chance. You know, Pete Buttplug from, you know, Washington has really good <laughs> rhetoric on money, doesn't he? Have you seen his state? Jeez. Anyway, or his city, mind that. Uh, so today is National Purple Heart Day. Um, we have to understand that Purple Heart recipients are people that have been injured in the line of duty. Now, throughout um, uniformed military services, it's done so in the form of a Purple Heart. That is what it is. Uh, in other services of the nation, they come in different forms, uh, either stars, circles, tacks, etc., it is very important for people to understand that just joining the armed forces or serving your country um, on the front lines, uh, especially those that, you know, are stationed O'Connor's, you know, outside of the contingent uh, United States, they sacrifice everything. They literally put their lives on the line for you. For every crazy individual that doxes, uh, you know, tells 
the world that veterans and, and, and military personnel are racist because they love their country. For every idiot that says, you know, like that video that we saw where it's like F the military, you know, for all those idiots that are sitting there tweeting, Facebooking and making stupid videos about, you know, how disgusting, you know, the military is or operatives that work overseas on behalf of the United States are, they have to remember that the fact that they're standing on that piece of land, the fact that they're sitting in a chair on that piece of land, which is called the United States, is because of people like that. So, you know, it is it is something that we need to recognize because it's the ultimate uh, sacrifice, just even serving, let alone being injured and at the most highest price, death. And it's honorable, you know, it's honor, you know, uh, to, to die for your country. It's more so dying for the cause. And the cause is, is that we are expecting, right, that freedom be sanctioned. So that is what we need to remember today. Now, moving along, uh, let's, let's talk about just some simple things, okay? Some simple things like what we have seen going on on Twitter. First of all, did any of you notice that there's a tip button? So apparently, you can click a tip button and uh, pay people with bots, um, pay them with money, uh, tip them for doing things uh, to sign up to. It says, the creator has not yet signed up to receive contributions from Brave users. Okay, so if you're using Braze, you're not Brave, uh, you're not allowed to. But apparently, um, you can contribute points or money. Uh, so one bot is about 22 cents, five bot is a dollar and 11, 10 bot is um, $2.22. So now Twitter is monetizing, damn, they must be on hard times. They're monetizing, they're, they're monetizing tweets. So basically now people that tweet can be tipped for tweeting. So you can get paid for tweeting. Are you paying attention to this? You can get paid for tweeting now. I don't know how many people were actually shifted to this platform yet, but I saw it and was like, Mm, maybe this could be a way that we can contribute to the Trump campaign. You know, maybe whenever he says like a really stellar tweet that instead of us going to the Trump site, we could just tip his Twitter account, right? I think that would be great. So if Dan Scavino or Brad Pascal are listening, this would be awesome because we could tip them uh, through Twitter, uh, which is, you know, make donation contributions. So he says something really cool. You're like, here's 10 bucks, man. Awesome. Aside from the campaign contributions we do. I think that's pretty stellar. Um, so that's that's one thing. Twitter must be on really hard times to uh, initiate a monetizing type platform, which indicates to us as the consumers that um, they are at a loss now because they will have to um, allow and open the platform or privatize their business. So the fact that we're seeing them privatize their business in in the form of a tip but not membership indicates that um, they may be releasing the Krakens and not um, policing uh, tweets. 
unless they're death threats. But, you know, that doesn't count anyway, because we've seen how many death threats, how many people with personal identifying information on the Internet, uh, you know, attacking conservatives that get away with it. I mean, we had Bette Midler literally put out, spelled out death threats, encouraging people to go and attack our president. And they're still alive on Twitter. But lo and behold, a conservative, I mean, my private account was shut down because I told supposedly Samantha B months before they shot me down, which we all know wasn't the reason, but that was their excuse. I told her, you know, hey, since you had so many abortions and you're proud of them, hopefully they sterilized you so you don't have to go through the process. Why would I get banned from Twitter because of that? right? It makes absolutely no sense. Why would my personal account, my personal account, not my work, you know, radio writers account, my personal one, why would that, that's been 10 years in the making, be shut down, boom, without warning? Never had any suspension before anything. Why? Hmm. Why? Because that's facts. Because that actually happens too. If you have a lot of abortions, you usually end up being sterile. Or you have greater chances of having um, children with um, defects. Uh, you know, kind of like, not Down syndrome so much, but like short limbs, um, uh, acephalia, etc. Anyway, so Twitter is one. Facebook is really stressing out now. Uh, Laura Loomer's case is more than likely going to win uh, because of what they did. This is a private company that claims they're private, so they're liable for what they put out, calling her a danger uh, to society, a dangerous individual. That is a huge deal. So Speaking of social media, we may, well, we have to, obviously, because the courts have already ruled it. Now that Laura Loomer is officially running for Congress, uh, when she pilots her campaign, she will have a Twitter account again. She will have a Facebook account again. They cannot discriminate the candidates because that's considered what? Election meddling. You know, so that's pretty interesting. That is exciting. So after this break, we'll continue with just a few points on current events before we delve and deconstruct Peter Strzok and his filing. This is going to be awesome. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back to the Tory Says Show. So let's talk about um, doxing. Okay, let's talk about doxing because we need to talk about it. We have, you know, people that are actually members of the house uh, posting names and employers of Trump donors. So, like, for example, if I worked for Pizza Hut, they would say, oh, guess what? Tori uh, donated the maximum amount she can to Trump at McDonald's or, you know, they would send it to them. So if it's a liberal company or they would be putting it out there, that it would cause harm to those, uh, you know, that um, did so. Now, uh, people, the, it's actually trending, impeach um, Castro. And a lot of people have to understand that, um, first of all, only executive and judicial branches can actually be impeached. There should be like a recall. Though there are, there are terms referring to, um, I guess, the, the, the term impeachment for those states that don't have recall processes, et cetera. And, um, you know, in this case, it wouldn't be an impeachment. It wouldn't be a recall. It would actually be a prosecution. So those people that were actually doxxed with their address and their employer names, et cetera, uh, the stuff that was put out there that is not publicly available because you see a lot of people, um, you know, saying, oh, you know, it's totally normal. If you go to the Federal Election Committee website, you can publicly see almost every donation on every candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may see their name, but you won't see their address. You know, how many Sally Smiths are there? How many uh, John Smiths are there? You know, I'm just saying. So this is, you know, a concern. This is a very big concern. Uh, So if we have representatives creating lists for insane people like the Dayton, Ohio shooter to obtain and go to attack. This is a threat to the public. Personally speaking, if I was one of those people on the list, I would be filing a criminal complaint of, uh, you know, putting a target on my back because that is exactly what is happening here. So impeaching, recalling, not the case. 
What needs to be done is that criminal complaints need to be filed by these people, that he has created a list for Antifa that are out taking guns and shooting these individuals, these non-spine children that have been raised by insane people that call themselves adults that have no respect for life. You know, yeah, uh, yesterday I was talking about guns and, and, you know, that it's societies, it's a society problem, not a gun problem, not a crazy problem. And I hate it when people say, well, we don't need guns in crazy's hands, you know. Well, why are they crazy? Are they all medicated? No, because the Dayton, Ohio was not a medicated child, right? He was a crazy leftist. Why? Have you seen the way the left responds at rallies or how they speak to those that are conservative? They look crazy. There was a video that I saw the other day um, while I was on a plane where it was showing some protest outside the White House and some girl in shorts was dancing about her right to abortion and there was an old guy sitting there saying, you know, um, the abortion is murder and he was he was maybe like he was so frail and tiny right and there she is dancing around crazy in a circle you know that and she literally knocks this old guy down purposely she hits she smacks the sign away from him and then hits him and you have to think like what is going on here like Where's the respect? This guy, if he falls down and breaks his hip, that's a death sentence. He's sitting there peacefully holding his sign, not saying a word, and she's screaming, dancing in his face, smacking signs, tipping him over. Where's the respect? She's an animal. And the problem is her parents, her parents, every single idiot you see out there crying and saying, you're racist. And it's like, okay, hold on. I didn't say anything racist. Racism, bigot, homophobic, you know, and they just scream, Russia. You know, you're just like, what is wrong with you? Who raised you? A pack of wolves? Like, what is wrong with you? And the thing is, it's not just the parents. It's the educational system too, because parents have decided they don't need to raise their kids. And, you know, someone may say, well, as a parent, I work and, you know, I don't get a lot of time with my kids and I rely on this and I have them with babysitters and I think, okay, but that's not all the time because if it is, you shouldn't have kids because at least you get two days a week where you sit down and you discuss current events or their views or how they're doing with their friends. You guide them. You tell them, well, that's not right. And, and, and when they were children, little, little children, you guided them to tell them, uh, you know, this is right. This is wrong. You know, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a time where from when I was a kid, they had started this, you know, fruity stuff where, you know, it was always first place, second place, right? But then they started giving like participation certificates. So if you didn't run fast enough, you just get a certificate. And you know, that was benign, but now everybody gets a trophy regardless. <laughs> There's no winners or losers, they say, right? So you have to think about it. We have raised these kids, okay? Th these parents, that parent of that crazy, insane Dayton, Ohio shooter, for example, was raised in an environment where they were surrounded by children and, and people in their public school and, and even maybe their parents that supported the right to abortion, which immediately to a child, to a child, registers as, well, life isn't that important. 
to a parent that has, you know, abandoned their loved one in a nursing home, you know, oh yeah, my mother's sick. She's in a nursing home. It's like, but that's your mom. Like, you know, what are you doing to take care of them? You know, they were wiping your butt when you couldn't speak, uh, you know, and children register that as it's not, it's none of my business. They can die on their own. This is what children see. It may not be the, the, the what you want to uh, project, but that is the way it is. And the more uh, people are desensitized to such compassion, you know, and that was created by the government again. I, I remind you the creation of Social Security. Social Security was created so that the children didn't have to worry about their parents when they were too old to work because they would take them home and look after them and feed them and uh, provide them health care and shop for them and fix their house and clean for them. You don't have to worry about it. They're Social Security now. So it's the family breakdown step by step that happened. It started back then. This was the plan all along. And again, our president being being attacked is because he is dismantling a very well thought out plan on a global scale, which our country would have led the way because if you can, you know, set all your ducks in a row and whip us into submission where we're from different walks of life, different cultures, different thought processes, different colors under one flag, if you could do that, those nations that have individuals can do it too. You would think, but it's not the case. This is why they're diversifying them with all these refugees. So anyway, so what happens is we have these children that have no regard for life. Life is not as valuable as it should be. Uh, You know, it's a fetus. Nobody cares. It's an old person. No one cares. You know, it's no big deal if someone dies. You know, people say it's video games. Yeah, one would say they could be desensitized, but you know, if you've been raised right, you know the difference between reality and, you know, fantasy. That's the thing. We have students now that are five, six years old in uh, kindergarten that are being approached by their teachers telling them, you can be anything you want. You want to be a girl? You want to be... Why are you saying that to a child? Why are we telling them, oh, you can like girls and you can like boys? Why are we introducing sex to prepubescent children and telling them they can form their own identities? Just leave them alone. That's the way it is. When I was a kid, you know, my parents never said, oh, you're a girl. Obviously, they would make me wear a dress when I'd go to church, you know, and my mom would totally love twinning me with my little sister for some reason. But, you know, I would be at home and I would be uh, face in books, you know, I would be, uh, you know, math, physics, whatever. And I'm talking like age 10, you know, that ballpark. I'd be fiddling around with electronics. I was a huge video gamer. Uh, so I was more of, um, of a, of a boy, right? The way I was, um, playing and my likes and my dislikes. I mean, I didn't like, uh, you know, girly hair or nails. I I started to when I started to develop friendships and, you know, after I reached puberty, I was like, oh, maybe I should put a bow in my hair, for example, I'm just saying. Or maybe, you know, 
I want to put some lipstick on or mascara. But before that, my family never urged me, hey, maybe you want to play with a Barbie doll. No, they never did. I liked dinosaurs and I liked, uh, you know, science and chemistry experiments and math. Uh, they they were fine with it, even though those were more male dominant things. I like soccer, uh, something, uh, you know, other people yeah, in the United States, not so popular, but that could be because every summer I was in Greece and most of my cousins were male, so they would watch soccer. So there, but it's allowing the child to grow as they want. And here we are educating them at very malleable phases of their life, telling them that they can choose their own gender. So they defy biology, basically, boom, and that they can choose who they love. It can be a woman, it can be a man. And we're exposing them to these things. And we have these drag queen bedtime stories where we have little children thinking it's okay that a dude slaps on some boobies and makeup and sits there and reads to you so it's normal to you. People dressed up as demons reading stories in public schools, libraries is normal to them. So then when they grow up and they're about 18... And they have no regard, or no respect, right, for the elderly because they don't care. Uh, no respect for life because it's okay to kill babies and old people because, you know, old, children, when you have them, they're a financial burden. And when they're really old and sick, they're also a financial burden. So we could disregard them. Uh, the fact that there's no gender, no sex, I can be with anyone or anything. The procreation thing should be put on the side. Nobody cares about that. Uh, you know, then they have a different view of, you know, their world. These are people that have been spoon fed. And on top of that, they cannot be disciplined. Parents are no longer allowed to discipline their kids because say, for example, you put your kid to face the wall, which I did once, by the way, and it was in England. This was, this was like my first time where I was just like, oh my gosh. So my eldest she had set fire in the backyard. <clears throat> she had like gotten a stick from the barbecue and set a fire, um, uh, you know, just as a circle. She wanted to do a circle fire around herself, right? You know, because she was watching Stupid Dog. What is it? Courage, the, the, the cowardly dog or whatever. And in a thing, he had like a circle of fire and she was trying to reenact it. So I made her face the wall, literally made her face the wall for three hours. Obviously, I didn't have her standing for three hours. I had her seated in a chair. And she actually fell asleep in the chair, but she was facing the wall. Um, the next, th that Monday, when she went to school, um, they were all talking about what they did. And she told the teacher, my mom had me face the wall all day. And she was like, no, no, yeah. And like my neck got, was hurting because I kind of slept like that. And so the teacher actually called me and she was like, you know, this could be, and I was like, dude, seriously, obviously being in England and I'm a Yankee, she kind of stepped back. I was like, dude, don't tell me how to raise my kid. Okay. You could tell whatever you want to anybody else, but don't tell me how to raise my kid. Um, you know, they started just on simple things, you know, where it's like, I didn't, it's not like I beat my kid. I made it face the wall because she was going to torch the house down. I mean, so I'm not allowed to make my child, uh, you know, understand that there's consequences when you do something bad. Exactly. And this is why we have kids that do not listen. This is why we have young adults that have no respect for anyone because there's never a consequence. It's always use your words. And at a young age, kids know 
that if someone yells at you, it's considered abuse. If someone calls you by a different pronoun, it's abuse. If you're made to face the wall, it's abuse. You know, look at Twitter's guidelines and Facebook's guidelines. I mean, if if kids are raised with the guidelines of all this is hate and bad and you're banned so you're an evil person so you can't be on the community, you know, uh, discourse, then imagine the adults they're going to be, Right? soft, fluffy, oh my gosh, I need protection, give me crayons, you know? These are the adults that are insane. These are the adults that take guns and shoot people up because they deserve it. How many times have you heard the left say, you should die because you're conservative? How dare you? You should die. You're white. You should die. You're white. You should beg for forgiveness and I should put a leash on you. And you're thinking, who who in their right mind would say, and they believe this stuff, okay? They believe, remember that New York Times writer? Uh, she was, I don't know, Chinese, Korean, whatever she was. And she was talking about killing white people and peeing all over them. And remember that? That's disgusting. These are, our, these people are our future. Uh, future looks real grim right now. So this is the problem. So you can put as many laws as you want about guns. You can red flag the crap out of it. You could take away everybody's guns throughout the nation. These crazy individuals that have been raised to be crazy will still be crazy and will still shoot people because they feel like it. Because they feel that they are entitled to it. These are the people that decide the government knows best and everyone should be in a happy place and you can't say that to me, you know, uh, responses. This is the problem. It's society. And we need to acknowledge that. That it's society. It's the teachers. The teachers that are teaching our kids that go in there with like, you know, crazy colored hair, you know, uh, you know, identify as cis or whatever, trans, whatever they want to identify it. And then they impose their ideologies on our children. I know a lot of public instructors, you know, just even within this little city that are insane. They are completely insane. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're sitting there talking to children and you are conveying these things. It is insane. I I remember poor little Phoebe when the elections were going on. She was so happy President Trump, uh, you know, was running. She had her little stickers. She was so proud. She had it on her lunchbox. And her teachers would berate her for it. You know, she would be made to feel like you're not supposed to. But they have like Hillary stuff. And nope, you're not allowed. What? Why would they do that? Isn't it express yourself? If the child identifies or likes something, they can't talk about it unless it's what the teacher agrees with. This is the problem we have. Bottom line, it's society. It's the left. It's those insane people that are raising your kids when you're at work and you decide, well, they look like they're wholesome. No, they're not. You're not doing your job. You should teach them what's wrong and right. You should teach them your values, your culture. It's kind of like when you hand down recipes, you know, like I said before, Somalis, right? You bring them to the United States. They don't want to assimilate. When you see them running down the streets in Minneapolis or like we saw the Syrian and, um, in the UK with machetes slicing people up. You're like, oh my gosh, how could someone just sit there and just slice someone in the middle of the day, you know, and attack someone brutally and kill them and not care? Because that has been conveyed to them by their parents that it's normal because in their country, you could be in the market and, you know, you 
peed off someone or you didn't pay your, you know, safety fee to whoever, whatever clan is over your tribe or, or area, whatever, they can slash you right there in the middle of the market and people will still be shopping like nothing happened because it's normal to them. So it's normal for them to slice people up. So then when they come here and they do it, you know, we're like, hey, that's that's not normal. See, p- people don't do that. Well, it's normal in my country, so we need to accept it. Kind of like what they're doing in Europe where, you know, these um, men are having sex with children that are 11 years old in France, and now they lower the age of consent to 11 because it's culturally appropriate, so they have to understand that for them, having sex with prepubescent children is acceptable, so we must embrace that. What? No, if you want to have sex with little kids, go back to your country. You want to be able to slice people in the middle of the Minnesota State Fair, take that Minnesota State Fair back to your country and do it there. You, it's not here because in America we have values and that's the problem. We're not teaching our children our values, the Cracker Jacks, the, the, the pride, you know, the history, the disgusting history we have, right? Because we've grown. Again, the best people are the people that have been through hell and back. The people that have scars because it is only through failures and doing wrong that you understand the right, that you become righteous, right? You have to be a sinner before you can believe in God. Nobody is, you know, comes out of their mom and says, whoop. I'm not a sinner. No, that's not how it works. You are human. You're going to sin. And it's through that sin you will see how being good and not sinning is better for you. It's kind of like you can't. mm, How's this? Once when I when I was um, in pain or even yesterday, I remember I was asked, let me give you something for the pain because this is really bad. And I was like, oh, that I don't want that because that numbs me. I'll just stick to like, you know, ibuprofen or whatever and put up with it. Well, you need to be comfortable. Yeah, I understand. But without pain, you don't realize you're alive. Make sense? Without struggle, you know, you don't realize uh, and, and enjoy the benefits of what you've accomplished. If something's just handed to you, you don't know how much hard work goes in there. It's kind of like kids when they go shopping and they're like, give me money. And, you know, they haven't earned it. So they're like, oh, these jeans are only $70. And it's like, okay, so you're like five. They're $70. That's not just $70. And you're only going to wear them for like a month because you're going to grow. So no, kids don't understand it. But when they work or you tell them, hey, sweep that floor up and I'll give you 20 bucks. And you give them the 20 bucks and then they go shopping and they're like, oh, I want this. And then they realize all that work they did can't afford them you know, the Pokemon thing they want. And they're just kind of like, what? And it's like the hard work makes you value that, that money or that achievement more, right? So this is exactly where we're at. How are the people, the future, those individuals that have disregard for life, disregard for what our nation stands for, that don't embrace the bad and the good of this nation, Those that dismiss it and say, oh, we don't want to see it. It's white supremacy. It's slavery. It says, look at all the bad things we did. That's what we did. Who are we now is the thing. Those people are the ones that we have to be terrified of. Those are the ones that will be grabbing the guns and killing you because it's their right to, because you don't deserve to live because you don't align with their ideology and they tell you that. That is the problem with guns. And I think President Trump is making a very strong case by uh, probing people to ask these questions, you know, about how did 
this all happen? You know, oh, maybe we should look at the crazies because the crazies are the left. Okay. And if we want to go crazy, hey, if you've been to an Antifa thing, then boom, that's the way it is. Boom, boom, boom. You don't get a gun. You're a leftist. Either way, they wouldn't even hold a gun because, you know, they might break or crack. So that on gun violence, I hate those discussions. I loathe any politician I see. Say, well, maybe we can, they need a smack across the face. You know what I'm saying? Like, tape over your mouth. Don't talk. You're not getting reelected. Bye. I don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear, maybe we should, no, we shouldn't do any of that. What we need to do is fix the problem because you could put as many band-aids and laws as you want. The problem's not getting fixed. That's the problem. Society, we need to acknowledge that these are crazy people. And if you want to make a crazy list, everyone that takes anxiety medication and can't work at the age of 20 or studies things like gender diversity and feminism and thinks that's an actual career, those people need to be on no gun lists. Those are the ones. The ones that don't respect life. The ones that are pro-abortion. The ones that are, oh, it's okay if you commit suicide assisted. It's okay if we kill old people. Those are the people you put on the list because you already know that they have a level of acceptance of life. So they're like, okay, you know, uh, people that think like this should die. Anything like that, those should be on a no gun list, period. Those that are pro-life, no matter what shape or form, no matter what age, no matter what stage, it could be in the blast. Nobody cares. Those people can have a gun because those are the people that are going to think twice before they pull the trigger because those are the ones that when it's at the origin of life, those people think twice before it gets dismissed when it hasn't even, you know, uh, been seen yet. And it's what they call a clump of cells, right? We value that because it's still life. So someone that values life to the level of not being able to abort a clump of cells as the left, the insane left says, they would be the ones that would think a trillion times before they pull the trigger. A trillion. So that is how we can suss out if they really want to suss out who should be on a list and who shouldn't. Who should be on a watch list and who shouldn't. Let's just put it that way. I mean, that's, that's if they want to do discrimination, let's do it. And we all know that the majority of the people that would be flagged is the left. Because common sense tells you if you dismiss life, you will have... Um, least harder time, I would say, to take one, right? And one might say that soldiers that have gone to war should be on, no, they shouldn't unless they've, you know, exhibited. And I think every single military member and veteran that, um, you know, has bouts of PTSD that, that struggles uh, are responsible enough to, to, to make that statement, the majority, Okay, not all of them, but the majority. And either way, if they were going to commit suicide or uh, shoot people up, uh, you, would, you wouldn't be able to stop them because even if there's a law in there on the list, if someone, anyone is committed to committing such atrocities, they'll find a way. They don't need the law to uh, you know, guide them or be available to them to execute. A murderer doesn't you know, wait for the law to allow him to buy a butcher knife or gun for a drive-by, you know, gangsters don't wait for the law to give them a gun. They buy it off the street. So on that note, guys, Peter Strzok, we are delving, delving, delving. I am so excited to let you guys in on this because everybody missed it. So many people reported and I was like, nobody really read this. I'll see you all in just a bit.
town of Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So this hour is going to be dedicated to Peter Strzok with two honorable mentions of news. So the first one is like a personal honorable. I'm like super excited. My friend is getting her promotion from major to lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. That she's going to 05 this month. So I am really excited to attend her ceremony. I am so proud of her. You know, that is, you know, she is like overseeing medical. I mean, I, I'm so excited for her. I just wanted to say, uh, major Weiss, I can't wait for you to be Lieutenant Colonel Weiss. I am so excited for you guys. She's an amazing woman. I love her to death, even though she's air force and you know, they're kind of weak. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. All right. So next one today, as I said, we had a meeting. I told you guys this yesterday between, uh, Israel, Greece, Cyprus, and the United States about oil, about energy, about what is going on with Turkey. And so now I'm going to play for you a quick clip of what is going on today. And it was just reported by the state media in Turkey just now, just a few minutes ago, what they're doing as their answer to this meeting that is happening. Listen. Less than 20 kilometers off the coast of the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, the Avuz is caught in a maelstrom. It's drilling for oil and gas in an area claimed by both Turkish and Greek Cypriots. The Turkish energy minister has visited the island before assessing operations on board the ship. I just wanted to say, remember, even the EU, the United States, the whole world says it's not Turkey's territory Turkey's the only one that says it's its territory and says, what are you going to do about it? And guess what? Today, when they had this meeting talking about their illegal drilling in other people's waters, what are they doing? They begin drilling. He was accompanied by ministers from the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. We have stated that we are fully behind the rights and interests of our brothers living in the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. And we do not recognize the unlawful authority declared unilaterally by the Greek Cypriot administration. Just a short distance away, the Turkish Navy was keeping watch. It may have been partly for show, but it underlines how the dispute over these waters could potentially escalate. Just a hiatus before they continue. Remember... Turkey invaded Cyprus in 1974 and successfully still occupies half of it. 
Okay, let's just understand the gravity of this. It's like, you know, Mexico saying Florida is ours and they invade and they take the whole southern Florida, you know, (laughs) thing and they occupy it. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, totally wrong. But no one's helping. Right? No one's helping. You're just like, so what do we do? Do we like go to war? Do we spill blood? And it's like, everybody just keep your calm. It's occupied for now. And then they come along and they're like, yep, it's ours. I don't care what everybody says. And now we're going to start drilling in the Gulf of Mexico and around Florida, northern Florida, because, you know, we own this. So it's ours. And you're just like, what are you doing? No, you can't do that. This is exactly what's happening. Okay. And this was their answer to the meeting being held today. And like reported, they had their military ships there because they know that war has just sparked. This was war. Piavuz is here because the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus has awarded exploration rights to Turkish Petroleum, which operates the drill ship. The Greek Cypriot administration claims the area as part of its exclusive economic zone, but that's not recognized by Turkey or the Turkish Cypriots. It is not easy to maintain high-cost activities in order to defend the rights of the Turkish Cypriots in the potential wealth of this region, and also in terms of protecting our rights and interests in the eastern Mediterranean. Because of this, we thank the Turkish government and President Erdogan. The Avuz is the third Turkish vessel to start operations off the island. It joins the other drillship Fatih and a research vessel called Barbaros Hayreddin Pasha. A second research vessel is also on its way. The problem is further complicated by the fact the island has been partitioned since 1974, with no settlement reached, and the involvement of other international players, such as the US and the EU. The next step in this decades-long dispute over the island of Cyprus is due to take place later this week when the Turkish and Greek Cypriot leaders are expected to have an informal meeting. And it's certain that the issue of hydrocarbons is going to come up. But what's also certain is that there's still a long way from a solution. Andrew Hopkins, TRT World, on the Avers drill ship off the coast of the island of Cyprus. And he said off the coast of the island of Cyprus, not Turkish Cyprus, there's no such thing. It's an occupied place pointing out that war has just begun. They have their warships protecting their drilling ships. I want to point this out because nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about the fact that all these nations that are having issues with it are meeting today. Mm, I wonder why the media is not reporting this. Pretty interesting, right? All right. So let's move along to talk about Struck. So yesterday we were all advised by the media going crazy. Oh my gosh, he's suing the Department of Justice for getting fired, right? I don't know how many of you have had the pleasure of actually reading his complaint. So nicely filed. And if you notice, he filed it yesterday. But what people don't know is that this was filed in retaliation. And one will say, what, retaliation because he was fired last year, uh, you know, a few days short, you know, because he was fired on August 9th, 2018, right? So now he files it a year later. Why? Well, it's actually because he was refused certain benefits. And, you know, if you actually read the complaint, you can see just how much he's telling you. So I'm going to let you in on some things that a lot of people may know and may not know, or, you know, people are just not familiar with it because it's not something that 
uh, is out in the open. So throughout, you know, many, many times on my show, I've explained to you how there are very covert intelligence units and how the CIA must be dismantled to avoid um, issues that we may have with these covert units. So I'm going to summarize first what is going on. First, Peter Strzok filed this because he was refused retirement benefits from the U.S. Army on July 1st, 2019, when he was fired or terminated his term. And some of you will cock your head and say, wait a minute, what? He was in the U.S. Army? Yes, he was. Hmm. He has been in the U.S. Army, supposedly, since the uh, since 1991. Okay? Uh, as active and then as a reservist ever since then. So he's completed 28 years supposedly, as a U.S. Army um, 101st Airborne Artillery Officer unit. So, hold on a second. So does that mean that every weekend he went once a month, he went somewhere and, you know, did his job as a reserve officer or was he reserve but not actively reserve? Like what was going on? Mm, That's a question we should pose to Fort Campbell. So, We did reach out to Fort Campbell, by the way. So anyway, here's something that I've kind of inferred and put forward. We all know that the clown agency, the supposed intelligence agency, uh, is supposed to help us. And they do in some sense. There are certain divisions that have fallen under the CIA's purview, purview, out of, I would say, necessity more than anything, and then have detached themselves from actual, uh, how can I say, approved operations? Okay. So, I'm I'm trying to see how I'm going to formulate this without, uh, okay. So, we know that when we need operations to be done, kind of like MENA, right? When the MENA thing happened, we had Barry Seals, who was obviously um, a clown agency operative pilot. He was a pilot. So he had gone to the Air Force, trained as a pilot. And then once he completed his training, he was pulled out of the military, didn't wear a uniform, and was flying planes for whoever he was told to fly planes for, right? That's usually how they recruit. So let me tell you how this division recruits before... Um, anything. There's a special activities division, SAD. And you know, you see the president tweeting a lot, SAD, right? SAD, special division of uh, the intelligence community that used to be uh, pretty, very covert, very undercover, but not part of the CIA per se. This happened when the lines between CIA and FBI started to get muddled uh, in the 90s uh, to where it actually came under the full purview of the CIA. Just so you know, it was part of the NRO and then it just disappeared. So it's called the Special Activities Division. This division of people are comparable to Delta Force, you know, Degru, you know, like uh, Navy Six SEALs, Uh, You know, they're the most mm, covert people on the planet. They don't even have a personnel file. Let's put it this way. So how do they recruit for these positions? Because we know the CIA, the clown agency, and the FBI, being honest, but more so the clown agency. They do not 
like to hire veterans, okay? They do not like to hire military for the reason that if you've served in the military, you are patriotic. Ergo, you will not defy your nation. Mm. So how do these people come from the military? Because the sad division of the clown agency is made up of military personnel. So if they're worried about them not doing things because they've been trained to love their country and fight for their country, how do you fix that? Here's how they fix it. The minute you enter training as boot camp, they usually target young people that are smart. You go into boot camp and as you're executing boot camp, you suddenly get all these tests. You think it's normal because they're sussing you out, right? So they put you through a, a, a barrage of tests. You know, people are trying out for special forces, for Navy SEALs, for divers, right? Depending on what branch you're at, right? So you're training, you go to boot camp through your, you know, seven to 12 weeks, depending on what branch you're at and how you enter or whatever. And um, you go through these tests. Now, when you entered, you already have an MOS, right? Uh, you have your, your rate, uh, your, your, you know, in rate for Navy, you know, MOS for others. So you have your job. And that job depicts the level of intelligence, so that way they target. If they see someone that's super fit, right, but dumb as a, bu a, you know, a bag of rocks, they won't go that way. If they see someone that's <clears throat> a polyglot, they'll target them. If they see someone that has lived all around the world, so they're very comfortable with other areas or environments, you know, they target them. So they target people of a certain intelligence, but that are skilled, okay? Um, and a lot of them, the 50% of them, uh, are mostly like super fit too. So what happens is these people are at boot camp, they go undergo all this testing, and then they sit down. I want you to keep in mind that this community is very small. This division is extremely small, parse and few. Many of them die and nobody knows who they are. They're just a star, a dash, or a circle awarded to their family. And if that. So what they like to do is they pull them out. Um, usually when they go into their advanced individual training, their AIT. During their AIT, they allow them to start learning about their job, you know, and get acquainted. And a couple of weeks in, they will be recruited. So they put them through this direct officership type thing. They negotiate deals with them in regards to retirement, and then they strip them usually of their uniform, usually. Because uh, there's two types. Well, most of them are, yes, 100%. So there's two types, okay? Uh, there is um, two categories. So there's the special operations group, and then there is the political action group. So there's two groups, the PAG and the SOG. So these people don't have any way to directly associate them with the United States government aside from being citizens. Uh, you know, their military record is done. Uh, they're out. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, if nabbed in another nation or while executing some mission even within the United States, you know, they can't be linked as active military, um, you know, the majority of the special uh, operations group are very lethally trained soldiers. Uh, they're like your Rambos, right? They're your Navy SEALs. Because these this group of persons are compared to, you know, tier one elites. We're talking, you know, 
recon, you know, um, teams, we're talking, you know, Delta Force, right, teams. So there's two different jobs, though, that they do. So the SAD SOG units, um, the Special Operations Group, they are paramilitary. So they are there to execute strategic military operations under the guise of a civilian way. So they're the ones that would train terrorist groups, right, without others knowing that they're Americans training those groups. Uh, They will um, infiltrate the ranks of terrorist groups or infiltrate the ranks of foreign government regular troops. Uh, They have clear missions and... um, they not they don't always penetrate these groups keep in mind to fight they're also there to collect information uh they're also there to follow monetary information they're also there to just be the poc uh for the fighters of their group because it's usually a group of like 5 to 7 people that have one assignment So there's the nerd, you know, that sits in an apartment with a computer these days. There's the two people that are working at the company that that government may be working at. And then the others may have infiltrated military ranks or, you know, some terrorist group. Okay. And these people are responsible for any like missions and that include, uh, you know, now issues of national security, uh, collection of a very high valuable uh, intelligence information, uh, high threat military stuff, counterterrorism, the whole nine yards. The other group, the political action group, usually fall under the guise of USAID too. Again, these people don't wear a uniform. These are the most secretive ones because you can't even identify these people, right? You wouldn't know unless you're one of them. But their job is to literally create economic and political warfare in other nations and are part of PSYOP operations. So, you know, sock puppets that we see. That's one. Uh, Economic warfare. So that's tickling and um, manipulating other nations uh, in regards to their economy or their political influence. And, you know, obviously with cyber warfare, they've taken over that area. So it's been more now separated in the past 10 years as muscle to brains, right? Now, each of these also have their own divisions. So, (coughs) excuse me, for the special operations group, there's like land, air, and sea. And for the um, political action group, there's land, air, and sea. Okay, all of them. So very highly specified. Okay, I'm trying to make this clear. Now, last year, I had uh, published an article through Big League Politics that made worldwide rounds where I had exposed Peter Strzok and how he lived in Iran, was raised in Iran. But the purpose of that article wasn't to um, expose him being raised in Iran. It was more telling you more about Peter Strzok. Now, uh, prior to that publication, I had... um, Patrick Howley, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, to publish an article for me 
okay, under his name, uh, which was Peter Strzok was a CIA and F was CIA and FBI at the same time, say experts. Now there was documentation that in um, validates this because. It was what he was saying. Remember, the devil is in the details, right? So if you actually read his complaint, Peter Strzok has laid out for you exactly who he is and why he's doing this. And keep in mind, he will actually um, settle with this. Now, maybe not in the public eye. Maybe it'll be thrown out. But if it gets thrown out in the court, you better know he got a settlement. And I'll tell you why. Because first of all, this cannot be tried in an open court, this will bury information. This will actually cause a delay in the release of the FISA warrants, the release of the information, everything. I'm telling you this now. And he can claim that he was taking orders. Mm, you don't want to expose that now, do you? You don't want the world to know that the most covert groups were involved in usurping our democratic process of elections, do you? So that's that. And why is he doing it? Because he was refused military retirement benefits on July 1st, 2019, when he ended his U.S. Army career. And it says it at the beginning of the damn complaint. And everybody missed it. Everybody did. So these military benefits, obviously, if he's not going and stumping for them and he's not, you know, entitled per se to them, how is he getting them? Because it's part of the deal. So people that get into positions like this, first generation, because there's a very important key here. There's first generation, second, third, fourth, etc. Obviously, when you're second, third, no brainer. But first generation, that's where they need to get insurance. Okay, so first generation entrance into this type of work have uh, the difficulty of having a public persona uh, attached to the government only because they cannot collect insurance to cover themselves if in any case you were to lead it back to the United States government. Make sense? So I'll tell you how this is very important. So Peter Strzok's daddy, also named Peter Strzok, was part of the PAG division, the political action group. He was part of, uh, you know, the SAD group, the Special Activities Division, Political Action Group. What did his daddy do? Now, in my article where I was talking about Iran, you'll see that I talked a lot about his dad. And it was purposeful. I also talked about the fact that his dad is the second, but his grandfather was Peter Strzok III. So they're saying another name, but it really isn't so. That was actually provided to me by very high sources. Now, why was Peter Strzok at the American school in Iran up until 1978? Because his father was in Iran establishing the regime that we see now for 40 years having the Khamenei up there, right? That's why. But what happened after that? Peter Strzok went to the American school in Saudi Arabia because his dad was busy. What was his dad busy doing? His dad had gone to Africa, right? And he went to a nation then called Upper Volta. During the time of his arrival at Upper Volta, that nation was up in arms. There were mineral disputes with neighboring countries. And so in 1985, just a couple years into, you know, uh, you know, Peter Strzok's daddy, right? Strzok daddy, 
let's call him Daddy Strzok, right? And Upper Volta, that country no longer exists. The lines of the borders were redefined, and now it's called Burkina Faso. His daddy did that. You see how political action group operatives work? Okay. So, you know, I put that out there with the evidence of that, but I also made mention to something else because, again, the past always proves the future. And this is why it's important that we put this information out earlier so that people can understand when they're confronted with it in the future. Because one thing that I made clear was that the Clinton Foundation and the Catholic Relief Services were always working in tangent. And actually... Peter Daddy Strzok was the director of CRS in Hawaii. And if you look into CRS in Hawaii's financials, guess what? They overlap and they feed into the Clinton Global Initiative's balance sheets. Are you getting this? So this means the Strzok family has super tight ties with who? The Clintons. Wait, but it gets better. So this is from the daddy side. His complaint further reinforces this. This is what the media is missing. See, they're all about, oh my God, he's suing them. They didn't do due process and all this. That is nada to what he's telling you. He put himself on the line. And you know what? You'd say this guy, this clown, if he's part of this division, he signed an NDA. Of course he did. But he also had an agreement. And if they breach that agreement, then he is entitled to contest and litigate because they did not uphold their side of the bargain. And I've said this before, uh, and I will be demonstrating it in, in a second article, that my article was the reason he got fired because it was under Section 7 when they were discussing him to be fired. And um, a judicial watch actually push, pulled the calendars, and you can see the sudden meetings that they had right up to his firing because this is about exposure. They didn't fire him because they felt bad or because he was anti-Trump. Come on, guys, wake up. It was because national security and concealing this division, the sad, sad division, was more important. We'll pick this up after the break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So sad. So here's where it gets really funky if you actually read what he tells you. So just taking his career where he's like gloating about his career was done purposely because everybody knows who he is. Demonstrating his career is not a big deal. And for him to even suggest that his texts, you know, were not government property is an issue, but he's not saying that he's saying they were leaked. Obviously Politico, I think was the first one that reported them. And they also have the name of the person that leaked them. Uh, Remember he had gotten a deal right? Instead of firing him, that he would have a deal where he's like suspended without pay and demoted. Um, but he got fired, which to say, which, um, led to his actual, from my sources at Fort Campbell, his clearance was actually pulled. And so he's been fighting not to be removed. Um, uh, not from the command because he wasn't presenting himself. Okay. This was a cover. Like I've told you before, there are people in the intelligence community that work for places like Toys R Us and, you know, government agencies, state agencies, whatever. <laughs> and that's not their real job. You know, there's tons of people out there that are like, yeah, I'm a contractor and I do stuff. That's not really their job. I mean, it is their job. They're executing it, but it's not really, really their job. Because here's the way these, um, these groups work. In the military, you're given an assignment, So the assignment is you're going to go there and you're going to defuse the situation and grab the Taliban. That's your job. And you take that order and you go. In this line of work, it doesn't work like that. So for example, um, you know, there are two categories of people uh, that are part of these divisions, okay? There's uh, paramilitary operations officers, the muscles, and specialized skills officers, SSOs. So there's POOs and SSOs, okay? So Strzok is like a SSO. He's skilled in some way. He's second generation. Ergo has a more public profile and not buried in some, you know, contained box with like, you know, magic eyes only access. So because he's second generation, not much of insurance, but 
also his ties, and we'll get into that in a bit. So let's pretend uh, the assignment of ensuring that Donald Trump is not elected as president of the United States is assigned to a group. Now they will muster that group and create their, uh, you know, their officials and place them where they need to be of that group and have them activate it. I'm just pr- saying pretend, okay? So let's pretend that I was an SSO and Peter Schrock was an SSO. Now they wouldn't come to me as an SSO because I can't fulfill those duties because in this type of work, they pounce and they rely on the conviction of the individual to complete the mission at any cost. So if you're like a super feminist that's crazy about feminism, you know, they're going to send you into a unit where women are suppressed because they know that you're so crazy about it that you would do anything, even sell your mother to get it done because it is your moral obligation, you know, or whatever you align with it. So for me, if I was to have been approached for this, it would have been a mistake. They'd never approach me. They'd never tell me about it because they already know how I feel about it. They already canvas you through your phone calls, your text, your social media, your discussions, your pictures, you know, where you're sitting on the toilet texting someone or talking to someone. They know everything before they approach you to see if you would be on board to do, not to see, they know that you'd be on board. So they wouldn't be like, oh, we'll get SSO Tory to come on. No, they can't because they knew that the minute he came down the escalator, I was on board. But they also knew that I've met him before in my life and I liked him. They also knew this. They also knew that I was from New York. They also knew that I would frequent the area of the Trump Tower. They also knew, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever, that I shopped Ivanka Trump handbags, which, by the way, are so nice. Um, So, um, you know, they wouldn't come to me. But why did they go to Peter Strzok? Well, here's the thing. His daddy was in bed with the Clintons, right? That's number one, right? He worked with them on the Haiti things and is involved with the Clinton Initiative Program. And he's all about the establishment because his daddy made sure the establishment won and there's Brennan and everything and they all grew up together and they're all friends. Here's where it gets even more interesting. You know, he was assigned to Hillary Clinton's mid-year exam too, Right. But did you know that he had another clash with the Clintons in the past that, you know, you wouldn't know unless he told you? Did you know that he actually worked on the Mina case, uh, you know, prosecuting Noriega? Did you know that? Oh, yeah, he did. Did you also know that he worked for the Boston division of the FBI, you know, the one that Mueller came from, uh, where he was caught trying to frame four innocent people for murder? Really? You didn't? I'm telling you this because he told you this. So he's telling you how tight he is with all of these people. He's telling you exactly what he's doing. He's telling you exactly who he is. He's telling you and he's telling them that if you don't pay me, you're going to have to answer about this. And obviously it's never going to be done in the public eye. Obviously. Because they don't want this out. They don't want people to know because that can compromise ongoing missions right now. It can unmask a lot of people. I mean, how do we know that it's not you who's listening that's part of it or me? This would be a huge concern and put a lot of people in jeopardy. He knows that. So his part is, let's talk about this. You're, you're, really, you're really messing me up with this. 
I'm not getting this. You didn't agree to it. I got caught, but I'm second generation, so there's paper trail, and we're going to get this out there and in the open because I'm not doing this anymore because it's hurting him. This is the only reason he's coming out, just letting you know, which is a gift from God, really. Because like I've said before, the only way that we can actually succeed very well is by what? Dismantling the clown agency. We've got intelligence unit, separate ones like SAD can be on its own. It's always been on its own. But for some reason, the FBI and CIA seem to have dips. Listen to what he's told you, though, of his career. He's told you that he was in counterintelligence. He told you that he would be interrogating high-level terrorist assets. And here's the thing. One time, and I was shocked to see it, Okay, I wasn't in the country, I was abroad, but I saw an article talking about this division. <laughs> and it was in an article by, the, by Time Magazine. And the story, it was the cover story, The Last Days of Osama Bin Laden. He was the one, you know, when in that article, there was some dude um, from the clown agency that said, uh, you know, they were in a, in, in a sticky situation. They didn't know if they should pick SEALs or if they should pick someone from SAD. Like he admitted that there was this arm of, you know, POOs of the CIA, this paramilitary group called SAD. It was publicized. I mean, you won't find anything on that because again, like I said, you don't, you can't apply to that. They come and find you. They see what your talents are. Can you penetrate areas? Can you go through, uh, you know, interrogations? Can you execute interrogations? Can you covertly obtain information? Can you travel around the world without being noticed? Or if you are noticed, you blend right in and people are not conspicuous of you. Can you, can you, can you, can you? Because remember, they love to recruit for their muscle, Delta Force, uh, you know, ISAs, you know, like Gray Fox and stuff like that, um, DevGuru, you know, these are the muscles that they recruit because these divisions of the military actually border mercenary, border mercenary, okay? <clears throat> they border mercenary. Whereas for the PAG or the SSOs, which are the skilled specialists, you know, like polyglots or very good hackers or, you know, uh, people that acclimate easy. Um, those people, they should not be going through any of that training because then they can't form them into who they want. Uh, they can't put them into the position of saying, I know this goes against everything you might believe in, that this is going to cause harm to the people of the United States, but this is for the greater good. See, a soldier ever being told that maybe dropping a bomb, driving a plane, driving a car, shooting guns at his own people, right? A soldier, a sailor, an airman, whatever, that has served at least a couple of years, that maybe has seen war or seen that unity on a boat or at his battalion, will most likely never do that. Actually, they'll probably either go AWOL or try to tell someone before they get taken out. This is why they make sure that, you know, their recruits for SSOs are usually those that enter boot camp 
either that be officer candidate school boot camp, which now sometimes goes through regular boot camp, and then you go to OCS. But you go through boot camp, you start your AIT training, and then they come to you and say, hey, you're doing great. We'd like you to be part of this. No uniform. No one will know you're part of the U.S. government. We'll hook you up. You know, it's kind of like the movies. Tons of passports. Send you away. Do our job. Collect the information. You've got a handler. This is who you communicate with. And you're all good. And the deal is, is that, you know, when you turn 65, you're going to get this fat chunk of retirement as if you've been working there. And then when you're done and you're not physically capable anymore of executing the duties in person, you will be doing them remotely or at our office. You know, you'll be a desk jockey and we'll give you a cover for a job. Kind of like Peter Strzok got the FBI cover because Peter Strzok wasn't in any division in the FBI prior to the mid-year exam for Hillary Clinton. I am telling you this. The only time he reared his head in the FBI was during the time of Enron and during the time of, yep, you guessed it, Uranium One at the Treasury Department. So, <clears throat> again, Peter Strzok mm, sent all these texts because he didn't like President Trump. And that's okay. You know, he's like, and that's okay because, uh, you know, one would say, well, you know, you have your opinion. And he does. I'm totally on board with that. Though you can't be on the team that's digging dirt for him, especially if you are part of the SAD unit, especially if you are part of the FBI where you're not under military code, you don't understand executing orders, right? And especially when you are who you are, because the reason he was selected to go and do the mid-year exam and then get all the dirt for the dossier is because, again, I told you, they don't give missions to these kind of people that won't be executed to the fullest extent with disregard to anything. They bounce off the morals you have. They bounce off to the boundaries you set to yourself. You know, there are some people that are okay with killing children that, you know, may be handicapped. I'm just saying, totally nasty, but totally true. People like that exist. I uh, just putting out, and you know, they excuse it to themselves. So some people find it okay. So if you want to give a mission to someone that needs to commit genocide of a village, I'm just saying, not saying that it happened. And, you know, that village is known to take their children and beat them and bend their legs so they can send them off to the streets to beg because they do that in places like India and Pakistan, just saying, um, you know, that they're deformed. They literally deform their children to go and beg for them. Uh, that's their job. The kid's job is to beg. So, and you have no problem killing children that are disabled and the majority of the kids in that village are disabled because they're beggars, then you will assign, you know, Schmo to go and execute that mission. You will go and say, all right, this is your mission. And Schmo's like, all right, I'll call you when it's done. And Schmo goes in there while all the other people of the team are just kind of not knowing exactly what Schmo is doing, but kind of knowing it, and they would be okay with it because Schmo wouldn't tell the other people that aren't physically part of it everything. He would just say that the executions happen or the, the, the whole thing is done. So people need to understand who Peter Strzok is. Uh, you know, he's telling you. All you have to do is read it. He's telling you that he worked in Mueller's old stomping ground of the FBI. He's telling you he worked on Mina, you know, Clinton, cocaine deal, Arkansas, right? He's telling you all this. Why isn't anyone paying attention? It's because people have forgotten to be 
objective and pay attention to what he's saying. Look at the promotions he said he's got. Look at the 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 people that he's worked with. The application. He's the one that worked on 9-11 and found cars in Boston. I want to ask, was one of those cars Jeffrey Epstein's pilot? Because one of the guys that supposedly drove one of the planes that supposedly was done by the Saudis, which I still question, okay, <laughs> was Epstein's pilot, private pilot. So, you know, did he find his car by accident? I mean, we need to be looking at the details because the one thing that people forget to do when they are spoon fed information is pay attention to detail. The detail tells you everything. Like no one's been paying attention. You know, how many times have you heard the president go sad? Not a lot, but he tweets a lot about it. And sometimes he says sad when he was talking about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Sad. (laughs) Nobody understands anything anymore because you're waiting for people to spoon feed it to you. Here he is telling you exactly what he's been doing. He said that he started his career, okay, in 1991 joining the U.S. Army 101st Airborne Division, and he was an artillery officer. This is after he went to college, right? He's telling you this. So, What else is he telling you? He's telling you that in 1998, he went to Quantico. He finished Quantico. Was it 1998? Hold on. He says he graduated college in May 1981, and in September 14th, 1981, he entered his active duty beginning the uh, officer basic course in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Following officer training, he served in the 101st Airborne Division as an artillery officer until he was honorably discharged on September 16, 1995. So he completed four years as an officer, the 101st Airborne Division Artillery. Now, do you know that one of the most important generals, I think, had uh, Robert Sink? Do you guys know who Robert Sink is? So... um, I know this because I've been to that base. But he was a, a World War II and Korean, um, uh, say it, he was, a, he was a lieutenant general, by the way, uh, wars. He actually was part of the parachute regiment and the 101st Airborne Division. Now, he actually was at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, which we all know is Military Intelligence Central. And so I just wanted to say he's... He was part of the European, you know, EMEA, basically, um, a division, uh, Korea, national defense. Like, he was awarded tons of presidential medals. Okay, so this guy, right, um, changed the face of the 101st Airborne Division. So, you know, Peter Strzok rolled out of college into officer school uh, and into intelligence, And so he was an intelligence officer, supposedly, supposedly completed four years because that's what they usually do. So you'll see a lot of these people that are recruited into such intelligence units will do time depending on who they are, if they're first or second generation or third. Um, They'll do, you know, anything between six months and the maximum of like four years as active duty and they're all honorably discharged. And you have to think. If there's no medical discharge, how does someone get honorably discharged after like just half a year of military service? Like that doesn't happen, right? But it does because this is how the deals go, you know? So anyway, so we've got him um, 
telling you <laughs> that that was his job. I keep coughing. I'm so sorry. Um, so then he says that um, after he was discharged, uh, he stayed as a captain in the U.S. Army Reserve until reaching his maximum service date, July 1st, 2019. Say what? Mm. So, you know what's really weird is that he was a captain um, with 28 years in service as a, a reservist, um, you know, in the U.S. Army. So did he go once a week, you know, to, uh, say it, the, the the base and, you know, um, be the weekend warrior like he has to? I mean, what has he done, you know? So that is interesting because it was never, you know, put forward and stated. So how does that work? I mean, how do you not rank up <laughs> from, you know, in all these years? So he wasn't. And it was July 1st, 2019. And a month later, he files a wrongful termination suit. And you're thinking, wait, hold on a second. So he was fired. So he doesn't get benefits. He was barred from benefits. We know that. So now he gets pulled out and does his maximum service date for July 1st, 2019. And that's because he wasn't doing anything. So he puts in for benefits, for retirement benefits, and gets zero and says, all right, we need to fix this. You messed up. So then he goes on to tell you that in 1998, right, after he was honorably discharged, in 1998, so he's got a three-year gap not telling you what he's doing, right? Um, but he is. He says he... His lawyer craftily puts it together. He says, after almost 22 years serving this country with the FBI, beginning his career as an analyst in what was known the National Security Division, he then applied, that's what he told you. So what he told you was he did four years U.S. Army, and then he went into something called the National Security Division. Let me tell you something about the National Security Division in 1995. You know, that's when I joined, by the way. Um, 1995. So like you have to think the national security division, what was that? Well, it's kind of like an overlap between the FBI and the CIA. It's kind of like a very blurred line. Uh, now we have a national security division within, uh, you know, the DOJ and there isn't much one said for the FBI because it overlaps with the DOJ. But at that time it was a little bit different. It was that gray area where they mix and match. So he worked as an analyst there, and then he was offered the position as a special agent in the FBI, graduating the FBI Academy in Quantico in 1998, which means that while from 1995 until he graduated in 1998, he was actually working in the National Security Division, which means that he just had to go for further training because he was a dunce, because he went straight to officer training, probably didn't get proper arms training because he was in the fluffy military intelligence division, right? Let's just, you know... I'm breaking this down. So this is who Strzok is telling you. Then he tells you that once he's out there, he gets assigned to where the boss, the FBI Boston field office. And then, you know, he was promoted seven times across two field offices and the FBI HQ becoming deputy assistant director of the counterintelligence division. Right? So he tells you all these things. He tells you that he's worked on MENA. He tells you that he worked on 9-11 terrorists in Boston. He tells you he's worked on, you know, uh, uh, the the most significant U.S. classified info in two decades, nicely. He tells you he worked with the Edward Snowden thing. You know how Edward Snowden was tasked 
to leak those algorithms. He was tasked so they can bucket that information through the NSA. He was tasked. So his handler was probably Peter Schrock. And so now we have him telling you and explaining to you how he got six cash rewards for his job, two quality step increases throughout his career, and four time off awards while he was there. You know, getting all these awards from everywhere. You know, catching people spying in China. Well, hold on a second, dude. You're counterintelligence. You worked with Russians. You work with Arabs. Now you're working with the Chinese. That doesn't happen. You're either part of the EMEA or you're part of APAC. You know, African Command can probably meld over between, you know, EMEA uh, and APAC, right? Because Af Command is like a little bit different. It's now starting to beef up because remember, Dark Continent and all. So him going into China, and then you're thinking, wait a minute, who was doing stuff like that? Brennan. So they were all in on it. The bottom line is, what Peter Strzok told us yesterday was you had the deepest of the deepest state working on ensuring that President Trump was not ever going to be, that Donald J. Trump was never going to be President Trump. That is how far, that is how deep. And this is why Mueller would delete messages. This is why, you know, we had Bree, you know, that great journalist from The Federalist, who broke the story that Mueller was deleting the text. You know, she accidentally died, remember? This is what happens. <laughs> you think it's, oh, it's just coincidence that she broke the story that the special counsel was deleting messages and then dies. You know, conspiracy theory. Really? I, I think it's kind of like too big for a coincidence kind of thing for me personally. I don't know about you. So what we have here is blatant admittance of how far and how deep this went. This came from the highest rank. Probably, you know, obviously Obama would have to be involved at some point. But, you know, we have operations right now going under this division that President Trump probably doesn't even know. And probably the Pentagon doesn't. I'll tell you what. For a fact, the Pentagon has no idea sometimes. Speaking of the Pentagon, I retweeted an article that Haley Kennington wrote on Laura Loomer US talking about, you know, Northeast Syria and how if we pull out our troops, ISIS is going to fester. This is the whole Turkey thing we talked about. You see how Turkey said that they're going to come down and kill our, all the Kurdish troops in Northeast? Here's their answer of how to tell us we need to stay there because the Turks are going nuts and they're trying to get their hands into Iran and um, into things that they shouldn't be having their fingers in. So, I hope today you understand just exactly how deep this operation was. And hopefully, if you actually reread his complaint, you'll also clearly see exactly who Peter Strzok is. Because he's telling you. Because that's the thing. To hide in plain sight, you have to tell the truth and just hope that someone actually can read that and see in between the lines. On that note, I wish you guys all a great evening. God bless. I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless from everyone here at Red State. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess 
Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.